Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we've got something special for you guys. We've got artist Tegan White joining us for an, a lecture about her practice and about her artwork. And uh, before we give that to you in your ear, we shall tell you about some of the things that are coming up at Light Gray. So up this next week, don't we have something special that you are leading, Chris? Um, we're having another Light Gray game night. It's on July 9th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. And the theme, although anyone's free to play or bring whatever they want, is subterfuge. So it will be games of deceit and misdirection, trickery, trickery to get what you want. Mm, I so see. we'll be playing games like Spectre Ops is a big one. Um, maybe Sheriff of Nottingham. Maybe all sorts of games. So. We also, because we have a whole month worth of textile-related goodies for you, we have a workshop coming up this July 18th. Um, It's with local artist Cleo Malone. She'll be teaching people how to do some basic knitting stitches, but in a really awesome way. She's got a workshop coming up called Prism Stitches. She's going to teach people how to make some really awesome banners. So if you've been looking for something to hang up in your home, um, now's a chance to do something really cool. So you can see images of what she uh, will teach you how to make on our shop at shop.lightgrayartlab.com. And of course, if you bring a friend, there is a discount. So that one is a $25 workshop. And if you bring someone, you have two for 40. So... Yes, that's a thing. And then we actually have some calls for art coming up pretty soon. We want you guys to keep an eye on the blog. There's a lot of cool things that are going to be happening as we lead our way into the fall. So anything else, Jenny? Yeah, so if you guys missed it, we actually just had the opening reception for Patches and Stitches this past weekend. Um, You can see all the fantastic textiles, lots of limited edition pieces, and original embroidered pieces on the Light Gray Art Lab shop. So again, shop.lightgrayartlab.com. You can check out all the work and see all the great things people have been up to. That's really awesome. You might even be able to buy a piece and sew it to your favorite jacket. And without further ado, here is Tegan White. Hello everyone, thank you so much for coming out and thank you so much uh, Light Gray Art Lab for having me here. My name is Tegan White and I'm going to talk about uh, my practice and things like that and then we'll have like 15 or 20 minutes at the end for questions. But yeah, so um, I am a freelance illustrator. Um, I'm completely self-employed. I grew up in Chicago um, and I've lived in Minnesota since 2008. I came here to go to MCAD, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, which is right across the street here. And uh, I graduated in 2012 with a degree in illustration. Um, I do work for like a really broad range of different like clients and types of projects um, throughout the illustration industry. And uh, some of my clients have included uh, Target, Papyrus, American Greetings, Penguin Random House, Disney Hyperion, Chronicle Books, Nike, Reebok, Honda, Ford, Wired Magazine, and The Washington Post. Um, So I work in two very different and distinct styles. Um, one is kind of uh, naturalistic and detailed. Um, it's uh, usually based around like flora and fauna. Um, I work with a lot of themes of like life and death, uh, symbiotic relationships between like all these different life forms. Um, kind of like exploring like uh, how different parts of nature are very interconnected. Um, the the kind of chaos and like discord and like uh, darker thing themes that you can find in nature. Um, so whenever possible, I try to incorporate uh, imagery like uh, dead animals or bones, um, sometimes like animals fighting or struggling with each other, competing. 
but when I do this, I try to make death um, kind of seem a little bit more beautiful, uh, be a little bit easier to look at. Um, and uh, I mean, sometimes it's a matter of, uh, you know, some of like that gore and things like that being obscured by like flowers and plants and like beautiful things like that. Um, or just like making my color palettes very harmonious um, so that it, it's like a little bit prettier. Um, and, uh, and kind of like uh, challenges you to think about life uh, or about death as kind of like, um, like an essential part of uh, producing life. Um, when it comes to client work, uh, some of these themes are like a lot less overt. I'm not necessarily uh, uh, working with these really like um, complex concepts or anything like that. Uh, it tends to be a little bit like more peaceful and harmonious looking. Um, and so I work in all different areas of the industry with this style. Um, I do like some editorial work. Uh, this was a, um, a cover for the local living section of the Washington Post. I've done packaging, branding, beer labels, uh, shirt graphics, advertising. Uh, also a lot of book covers, um, mainly for like young adult and middle grade books most of the time. This one uh, was like a rare exception where they actually asked me to draw bones for client work, which was, I was pretty excited about. Um, this is another middle grade book cover. Um, uh, it was like kind of like a book about a, a girl who likes to bird watch, so I just got to draw a lot of birds and things like that. Um, and then I also work in a very different style, um, and it has a totally different client base from all of this work. Um, I also do children's illustration, and uh, this is, a, as you can see, a very different style. Um, I mainly do it in watercolor, a little bit of gouache. Um, it's much more playful, kind of like whimsical and character driven. Um, and with this style, I've done uh, picture books. Um, I have two picture books that are out right now. Um, one is called Adventures with Barefoot Critters, and it's an ABC book uh, that I wrote myself. Um, it's published by Tundra Books, which is a division of Random House Canada. Um, and then the other one is called Bunny Roo, I Love You, and it's written by Melissa Marr, who's uh, like, she's a, an established uh, young adult author, but this is her first children's book. Um, and that's published by Nancy Paulson Books, uh, and it just came out um, in, uh, I think, May. Um, and then uh, I have a lot more books on the way. Uh, I have actually four lined up for, the, I think, the next uh, year and a half. So you'll see like a lot more uh, books for me in the future. Um, uh, at least one more is going to be written by me, and then I'm illustrating a lot more manuscripts. So uh, Adventures with Barefoot Critters is about a group of animal characters who uh, kind of like explore the seasons, um, uh, finding like fun activities to do outside. Um, so it kind of goes through the months of the year. Uh, it's formatted in these kind of like rhyming spreads um, with like one activity per page. Um, and it's not really like narrative in like that traditional picture book way. Um, but uh, so like rather than, um, you know, like saying what each character is doing, uh, I try to like give the characters a unique sort of personality by uh, just like their like little actions on each page. So they don't even have names. Like uh, me and my editor just refer to them as like girl fox and boy fox and squirrel, like with capital letters, like those are their names. <laughs> um, and then Bunny Roo, I Love You is the first manuscript that I've illustrated. Uh, and it's a baby book. It's uh, very sweet. It's kind of like for new parents. Um, and each spread has like a different set of animal mothers and babies. Beyond picture books, uh, I also use my children's style for a lot of greeting cards. Um, Papyrus has hired me for like probably like about a dozen cards at this point um, for all different holidays and occasions. Um, and these have been really fun to work on because uh, like they're kind of like a higher price point card. So they um, 
they'll usually like incorporate like all these different like embellishments like you can see like the glitter or like uh, some of these like flowers here are, like kind of like cut out and pasted on and that's really cool for me because like they'll kind of tell me what they want like ahead of time and I'll kind of know okay this card's gonna have some glitter on it or whatever but I don't really get to see what that looks like until they show up in the mail so that's always like fun like once they're actually released to kind of like get this like little surprise um, I've also done some cards for American Greetings. I don't think any of those are out yet. Uh, I've also like licensed some designs to different greeting card companies. So um, I've had some stuff uh, for Hallmark and um, also Trader Joe's from time to time. Um, and then another thing that uh, I've used my style for is uh, like textile design. And I have two different textile collections so far. Um, both of them are with this company called Birch Organic Fabrics. Um, and uh, the, the two fabric collections that we've done, one is called Fort Firefly, another is Acorn Trail. Um, we have another one planned for the fall. Uh, these are some photos of like the actual printed cotton. Um, so like that's been really fun in terms of uh, and I'm figuring out how to um, like show these like cute little animal characters, but uh, have it be like uh, kind of like fall back a little bit. You know, you're not like necessarily focused on like the characters. You're focused on kind of just like the overall look of it. Um, we, al we also like expanded um, for, uh, for Acorn Trail, we expanded into canvas, jersey, and like other different types of fabrics, which has been really fun. Um, and it's also great to see the types of things that people use them for. Um, like I can't sew at all, uh, so I can't actually like use the samples that they gave me for anything. Um, so this is uh, like an example of some of the things that people will do with it. Um, this is a person called Doodlebug on Instagram, and they uh, kind of like most of the like the kids' clothes that they make are like with like my different fabrics and stuff like that. So it's really kind of fun. I've like talked to her about like you know how she likes using them and all of that. So as you've probably noticed, um, pretty much all of my work is very heavily inspired by nature. And a great thing about Minnesota versus like where I grew up in Chicago is the really immediate access to nature. Um, I think that uh, in Minnesota, or like, uh, oh, sorry, the Minneapolis-St. Paul like metro area, is supposed to be like the um, like major metropolitan area in the country with like the most green spaces um, out of anywhere in the country, um, and like, and you can really tell like 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 pretty much no matter where you live in this town, you can uh, you're like a 10, 20 minute walk from like like a lake or a river, um, you can like you know, just like walk a little while and like find a place where you can find deer or herons or bald eagles um, or like be in like a swamp. Um, there's like those very urban sorts of nature, but uh, we're also like really close to like Lake Superior. Like you go like a couple hours north and suddenly you're in like real actual wilderness. Um, if you haven't been up uh, along the North Shore of Lake Superior, um, it's like, it's so impressive, you know, like uh, like Lake Superior is like, like, I don't know if it's the largest freshwater lake in the world. Um, but uh, like, it's one of my favorite places on Earth. Um, and you go a little bit further north than that, and, uh, and you're at like the boundary waters that kind of like divide Minnesota from Canada. Um, and like, that's like a real wilderness where you're not like even allowed to have like motorized vehicles or boats or anything. Like there aren't any paved roads. Um, if you like went up there and like got lost, you would like die and no one would ever find your body. Like. <laughs> Um, so I try to go once a year, um, but like even without that, like I find that like just locally, like there's like plenty of inspiration for me for like like the rest of my career really. Um, and like I mean, even in like the really cold, frigid Minnesota winters, uh, it's like um, uh, like if if you're like up for going out and like you know bundling up and like exploring in that, um, there's like there's frozen swamps where you can like 
walk up to like a beaver dam and see it up close because it's all iced over. Or, um, I mean, these are all like different photos that I took uh, because I like to you know, take a camera with me to document my experiences. Um, you can find animal paths through the woods, uh, flattened areas of grass where like a deer slept the night before. Um, like I know just from like exploring like places where you can find animal bones like 100% of the time. Um, and like as I, uh, after I moved here and I like really started exploring more, like having that access was really important. And um, the more time I started to take to lose myself in nature for like longer and longer periods of time, um, my style and subject matter really started to develop much more quickly. Um, I think that uh, at first I was kind of just drawing plants and animals because I was like, well, this is better than drawing like buildings or people for me. It's like, just what I enjoy. Um, but once I started actually doing that and immersing myself in those environments, um, it kind of, uh, it became, uh, the work was coming more from like a place of like passion and like I sort of had like the urgency to, to need to share these experiences with people um, to kind of like express like the feelings and ideas that they imparted on me. Um, so like when I'm talking about, you know, drawing like, like dead things uh, or like animals like fighting or whatever, uh, like that's never about like the shock value for me. Um, it's more like I kind of like have to draw them because uh, like the more you wander around in these natural environments, um, you really do encounter death everywhere. Uh, like I've buried countless animals, like I've collected more skulls than I know what to do with. Um, and uh, it's always been a little bit strange that um, in kind of like our urban like kind of world, we don't really encounter death in that way. Um, and uh, we're like maybe like a little bit detached of um, like death's place in the cycle of life. Um, so like encountering it regularly, like it maybe makes you like a little bit more level-headed about seeing it. Like you're not, um, you don't have like that like, like grossed out factor. Um, you're not like afraid of it so much anymore, but um, it, you never become like totally detached from that experience. Um, like uh, it's always like a little bit tragic or like uh, kind of like profoundly beautiful to come across a dead animal. Um, and uh, it's kind of like um, drawing these things is like me trying to like work through some of those emotions, like pinpoint like how it makes me feel. Um, and uh, like, it's sort of the idea of like, uh, like um, making a shrine to this animal almost, you know? Um, like like, like you, you feel a connection after finding it. Um, and then like kind of on a lighter note, um, I'm also very attached to the Midwest. Uh, I think that it's like a lot less grand and impressive than a lot of places in the world. Um, not that I'm like super well-traveled, but uh, um, with like Light Gray Art Lab, uh, we've gone to um, Iceland last year. Uh, we just got back from a trip uh, to Utah. Um, we went to Bryce Canyon and uh, Zion National Park. And like, and a lot of these places have like a like kind of like more like over the top impressive sort of beauty about them. Um, and what I like about the Midwest is that uh, it's like, it's very modest. It's very uh, kind of like, like sparse and like hardy. Um, and that I think has kind of become like sort of integral to my aesthetic. Um, like, like that's the type of nature that I want to explore. Like I'm not trying to do, uh, I'm not like as in inspired by any sort of like exotic places, you know, like there's like enough inspiration just here in this city to like last me my whole career, I feel like. Um, so there's like the way in which nature wants me to create work that's like, you know, more like this. Um, it's kind of like somber and lyrical um, and like maybe a little bit gloomy. Uh, but what I started finding as I was making this type of work and as I was exploring is that um, like I also experience nature in like a very different way that isn't gloomy at all. 
Um, and uh, there wasn't really room to quite express that in my current style. <laughs> and so, sorry. Um, and so, like, that's that, like, nature is oftentimes really kind of silly and, like, ridiculous and fun. Um, so, like, I mean, you watch a deer for a second, and, like, every single movement that that deer makes is, like, really, really painfully awkward. Like, like if a deer could talk, like, all it would be saying is, like, um, um, excuse me. Like, it's just, it's very awkward. And, like, all I want to do is just, like, poke fun at them, you know? Um, or, like, you see, like, a squirrel in the fall that's, like, not fat enough to get through the winter, and you, like, want to scold them. Or uh, you're, like, out, and, like, a woodpecker is yelling at you so loudly, and you're, like, what are you so upset about? And you start kind of, like, speculating in your mind, like, what is going on to give this woodpecker such a bad day? Um... <laughs> Or at least, like, that's what I do. Um, so, like, I can't help, like, finding these sort of things that are cute or, cute or absurd when I'm trying to, like, understand what animals are thinking or what motivates them. Um, and I can't help sort of personifying them and, like, making up explanations. Um, and uh, one of my favorite things in the world is, like, the idea of an animal acting, like, dumb. Like, and it's not really dumb. Like, not, like there's, like, instincts or, like, something's going on in its head. Like, it's, it's, there's a good reason for whatever it's doing. But, like, for us, it seems very dumb because we can't understand, like, their whole life. Um, and I think, like, that disconnect is, like, where my interest lies and what makes it very fun for me. Um, and then also, like, animals are just, like, all so lovely. Like, like every animal is just great. And I would just like to be friends with all of them, but you can't do that because it doesn't understand that you want to be friends with it and you can't like force your company on it. Um, so like if I can't actually hang out with them, like at least I could like draw this girl who does get to hang out with a deer and who like doesn't mind ice skating with her, you know? <laughs> um, here are some other dumb things. <laughs> uh, the piece on the right left. <laughs> it's called things uh, things squirrels probably shouldn't be eating, and it's all about like the silly things that like this one year I keep kept seeing squirrels like carrying ridiculous things around in their mouths. Like one had like an entire tomato in its mouth, and I'm like, what are you doing with that? Uh, some of them I didn't actually see; some of them are invented. But um, and then on the right, uh, kind of one of the ways that I incorporate that sort of animal dumbness or awkwardness into my style is that um, while most of my children's characters that you saw, they're they're kind of like more just like happy children. Um, there are like also ones that uh, sort of act differently. They're like a little bit more like robotic and expressionless, um, and they tend to move with like these rigid limbs. Um, and I just love kind of that idea of that awkwardness and uh, and kind of the the blank expressions where you don't really know what's going on in their head. You know, you, you can't really draw a child like that. It's like very creepy. But with the animals, like it's still just cute. Okay, um, so that was kind of some of my, the like inspirations behind my work and stuff like that. Um, now I'm going to transition to talking a little bit about like the business and career side of things. Um, so I'm completely self-employed. Uh, I work from home. This is my studio space, uh, and uh, I think like a lot of you are probably like students or like recent graduates or maybe like just getting into the illustration field. Um, uh, I know some of you like probably aren't artists at all and you just came to see the show, so that's fine too. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't like have a lot of time to go into like the details of like how my career unfolded necessarily, or like give like super in-depth advice. Um, and honestly, like how I got to where I am right now isn't all that interesting. Um, uh, like long story short, like I've mostly been successful because I started posting my work online at a very young age. 
Um, so like in high school or middle school, like I was posting stuff online and it sucked, like it was bad and like probably no one really liked it, but like, like just like I had a lot of time to kind of develop a strong web presence and for the people who my work does appeal to, to find me. Um, and, uh, and you know, just like, like, um, get out there so that the people who my work resonates with best could find me. Um, and I'm like a really big proponent of using the internet as your primary means of marketing yourself. Um, like, especially if you want to be self-employed anyway. Uh, like, I've never needed to solicit work at any point in my career. Um, and I will say that I'm, like, very lucky in that. I think uh, a lot of things just fell into place for me. Um, but I, I also think that it's, like, a smart way to do things. Um, like, why would you pay money to produce a mailer and send it out and everything if you could just, like, post a piece online and then hundreds of people will share it around for you? Um, and... Uh, and I think that like you can think about it like this at any stage. A lot of people like freeze up or get discouraged um, because they think that their work isn't good enough yet. They don't want to like put it out there yet, um, which is silly because like no one is ever happy with their work. Um, and uh, like if you're waiting for that, you're kind of be going to be waiting around forever. Um, but also, uh, people will like try maybe like posting a couple things, um, and like they find that no one seems to be paying attention. You know, you maybe get like a couple likes and a couple follows, and then it kind of dies out. Um, and like the worst thing that you can do in that situation is just give up. Um, it really does take a long time uh, for you to start actually reaching the people whose work, uh, who your work appeals to, um, and like and kind of like start getting like calls on the work from our directors or start getting sales. Um, and I think that that first year is really the hardest, um, and you have to kind of like have a thick skin and just keep trying. Um, so in terms of uh, some of my professional career stuff, uh, basically most of my realistically styled work uh, that I've shown you so far has been a lot of personal projects, um, things that I've done for galleries, uh, things like that. It's pretty rare for me to have client work that comes in that like gets that lets me actually explore like some of the concepts that I was talking about. Um, the more conceptually driven work. Uh, is I think what attracts them to my portfolio, you know, like what kind of speaks to people so they want to hire me. But when it comes to like the actual jobs that they're hiring me for, like there's not really much of a place for that. Um, they're kind of just hiring me because like I can maybe like draw something technically, uh, maybe like they know that I'll like pick a good color palette or something like that. Um, this is uh, like a taxidermy book that I did like a million different like step-by-step -step instructions for. So, I mean, I enjoyed working on it because like I said, I like drawing dead things, like it's fine. Um, but, uh, but like there wasn't like any kind of like greater meaning behind it or anything like that. It was really just like they knew that technically I could draw this. And I really don't mind doing things that are just straight up like draw this thing realistically, um, especially if it's like a plant or an animal or something. Uh, but sometimes I do end up with projects that are really only like about technical ability and like the subject matter is like so far removed from anything that I'm actually interested in. Um, and a lot of like the big names on my client list like Nike, Reebok, Honda, Ford um, were jobs just like that. Um, and I didn't really mind working on those projects at the time. Um, you can kind of just like sort of get lost in the details as an artist um, and just like enjoy like the process of making. Um, but I think if you start doing too much of that stuff, uh, which can be really tempting if that work keeps coming in, uh, because like you're talking about like advertising jobs and stuff like that, just that just have like these insanely high budgets, um, and like you don't really like want to turn that work down. Um, but if you just keep doing that, then you aren't really like left with the amount of time you need to work on things that you actually are passionate about. 
it's funny because uh, I haven't done one of these artist talks in like maybe about a year or so. So when I was putting together some of these slides, um, I was like skimming over like some of my notes um, from past talks. And I was really surprised at like what a different place I'm at now than when I was then. Um, like a year or two ago, like I really felt like I had it all figured out. Um, and like I was really confident in where I was at. And like if you asked me like what I wanted to do in like a couple years or whatever, I would have told you that like I wanted to just keep doing like exactly what I was doing, right? Um, I kind of felt like uh, all these big jobs were coming in. I was getting to do different types of work all the time. It paid well. Um, and I like was excited to feel like I had made it, you know? Um, but like I think all artists or creative people um, are kind of like you're always looking for the next step, right? Um, so what I realized is that uh, with almost no time left for any personal work, I wasn't really growing as an artist anymore. Um, like looking back, uh, I'd done like maybe like like a couple pieces a year since, since college that were like really great portfolio pieces that I was like happy with or proud of. Um, and uh, it, it's partly the idea that you're, um, you're, you're being hired to fulfill someone else's vision rather than your own. Um, but it was also because I was working so much that it was like really wearing me out. Um, like illustration has never really been like just a job for me. Um, it's like not just like the way that I make money, it's like my whole life and like my focus of like what I want to do every single day. Um, and so uh, once I realized that like I'm probably never going to find that work-life balance where I'm actually like sleeping like a decent amount of hours a night, um, it's like, uh, like that's fine if that's how I decided that I wanted to live, but at some point you realize that if you're killing yourself to produce all of this work all the time, um, and going to like not really have like much of like a social life or anything because of it, then like you like damn well better be happy with like the actual work that you're doing and what's coming out of it, right? Um, and like it, it should be something that you're really passionate about if you're putting that much focus in. Um, and so I kind of started in the past year or so to kind of pull away from a lot of the client work. Um, and for one thing, uh, there's sort of like an ethical side of it for me. Uh, as I found myself doing some of these projects, um, I was like a little bit confused because in all areas of my life, I try to like hold myself to like this really like like high, silly like ethical standard and like like really like be super analytical about all the little choices I make. Um, you know, like I'm vegan or I try to buy everything secondhand or locally or like I refuse to drive or like all these kind of like little uh, like privileged like white hipster punk things. Um, so it's like looking at my work, I was like, well, what am I doing like selling cars to people? What am I doing uh, making these products or trying to sell these products that I don't even think should exist in the world? Um, and like meanwhile, never really getting, giving myself permission to like explore the ideas that I do want to explore. Um, so uh, w once I got to that point um, of like knowing that uh, the best work that I'm capable of is work that I haven't done yet. Um, like like having these ideas in my head and like knowing the artist I could be, but not getting even close. Uh, it I kind of like reached a turning point. Um, unfortunately, uh, I tend to schedule jobs out for like six months to a year in advance because my schedule just fills up. Um, so like I realized this like probably about a year ago, <laughs> um, and I've just gotten to the point like now in the past like month or so where uh, I have like finally like you know fulfilled all those obligations and I'm starting to actually be able to work on the personal work so it's kind of like an exciting point for me but um but maybe like uh 
I can't tell you yet how it's working out. <laughs> um, so some of what I have coming up right now is like gallery work. Right now I'm putting together uh, work for a three-person show at Gallery Nucleus in LA. Um, and that's sort of like whatever I want, like just a theme of flora and fauna. Um, and so I'll really get to explore some of the things I'm interested in. Um, but like overall, with all of this stuff, uh, the big change for me is that I'll be moving away from client work where you always know how much you're going to be making off of a job and becoming a lot more self-reliant. So a lot of my projects um, will have to depend a lot more on like selling product. Uh, like, and there's a really big learning curve involved with that. Um, like I'm setting up an online shop for the first time. Um, and like in the past I've had like a shop where like my prints are available, but like the website just like, you know, takes those orders for me and uh, ships them out and everything. So I don't have to do any of that. Um, and, uh, and then also the idea of like investing in producing products, um, like, uh, producing limited edition things like zines or screen prints. Um, and I'm also really new to printmaking and things like that. On the left, there's a, a risograph zine that I just, uh, did for a show at Light Gray. Um, and then, uh, this poster is, um, my first ever screen print, which actually just came out today. Um, it's for a show, uh, that's happening in Texas tonight, actually. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, there, there's just like a lot to learn with all of this. Um, but like one of the things that I definitely do want to pursue is like this idea of these screen printed um, tour posters for bands. Um, like it's not that I don't want to do work for other people at all. It's not like I like only want, like I don't want to be a fine artist. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to uh, only do gallery work or anything like that. I do really enjoy like collaborating with other people. Um, and I do identify as an illustrator. Uh, I think... Um, the, the catch is kind of like um, finding the clients whose visions really resonate with my own. Um, so it feels like more like a collaboration and less like I'm being hired. Um, and like only doing work for things that I can really like stand behind like ethically or like personally or like be excited about. Um, so I mean doing work for bands is awesome. Doing a fabric collection or a stationary line for a company is awesome. The children's books are great. Um, uh, but I think... Um, with uh, some of my more realistic work, uh, the, the challenge is maybe finding uh, companies who are more eco-conscious or more, um, uh, like, have, like, a similar outlook on life, but also can, like, afford the budget to, for, like, custom illustrations. Um, and I think it's going to take me a while to figure out whether it's, like, even feasible, you know? Um, because those companies, they're never going to be able to afford, like, have an illustration budget that, like, a company like Honda does or, like, that these advertising agencies do, you know? Um, and so it's, like, a matter of whether or not I can keep making the quality of work that I want um, for, like, lower budgets or if I can find those high budgets somewhere. Um, and so it's, like, a little bit of a scary and uncertain place right now, but I do feel like it's, like, a totally necessary step to move forward with my career. Um, and like, and then there's also the idea that like, as long as I'm scraping by, I'm like totally okay with making a lot less money, you know? Um, because that's just sort of like the sacrifice that you make to make work that like you really care about. Um, so I'm going to end on that note. Uh, here are the three patches that I have in the show tonight. Um, they're over on that wall there. So if you want to check them out, but yeah, thank you guys so much for coming out. And uh, we have um, like a good like 15, 20 minutes or so for questions if you have anything that you want to ask me about.
Um, the question was how like how many hours a week do I think I work, um, and uh, like including doing like kind of like the business side of things of like marketing myself and all of that. Um, and I th think that I can figure that out by like reverse mathing it. Um, how many hours are in a week? Anyone? <laughs> Okay, well, I, I probably, like, don't work, like, about four hours a day on average. So, so whatever all those other hours is added together. Um, and, and I don't really, uh, I don't partition out time to, like, specifically do things um, like, uh, like uh, marketing or anything like that. It kind of just, like, it comes up when I can fit it in. Um, and a lot of that stuff kind of falls by the wayside sometimes because I'm just trying to, like, meet a deadline. But, yeah, I probably sleep four hours a night or three hours a night and then like eat for an hour that's probably right yeah but i, I mean i also uh, saturdays i sleep usually I, I usually don't work on saturdays so i guess that changes that math okay yes The question was, um, in terms of like technical ability, whether like uh, how, how I kind of like got to that point um, through drawing a lot or certain techniques to, to get me to that point. Sure. Um, I, I would say that it's definitely just drawing a lot. Um, I, I started drawing like daily when I was uh, probably like 12 or something like that um, and kind of just never stopped. Um, so uh, other than like the days when all I happen to be doing is like emailing clients or something like that, uh, there, there, there isn't a day when I don't draw for several hours. And I think like if you're producing at that volume, you naturally kind of like start to pick up some tricks and figure out what you're doing. I also think that looking at other artists' work helps a lot. Um, you don't necessarily need someone to give you pointers and like this is how you crosshatch. If you just like look at someone else's like crosshatching that you really like, then you can kind of like be like, oh, okay, like I'm seeing how they're doing that and like kind of pick up some tips that way. Um, but I mean, like you have to have kind of a balance between being inspired by other people and also like keeping, uh, like having your own personal style too. Um, yes. Uh, question was, uh, I have a like high volume of work, and how do I filter out what I actually post online and how much of what I make is things that you guys actually see? Um, to be honest, uh, I do not share very much at all. Um, I, I'm actually like I'm a little bit self-conscious about how rarely I put out like any work that I'm actually happy with. Um, and that's because, again, like I, I haven't made a lot of time to do personal work. I haven't um, uh, like I, I tend to like fill my schedule with client work very quickly. Um, and again, a lot of that client work is work that I'm not very happy with. The client's happy with it. Like they love it. Like it's exactly what they wanted, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it might, it might just be a drawing of something that doesn't really like resonate with me or like when I took the job, I thought that it would be that, but, um, but then when it actually came down to it, you know, they picked the wrong sketch or like, uh, they really like didn't like any of the color palettes that I liked. And now it's something that I just, um, you know, like I, I did the best work that I could do but it's not exactly what I wanted. It's not like what I want people to uh, think of when they are coming to hire me because you want to put out the stuff that, um, that you want to do more work like that, you know? Um, you, you, you don't want to uh, post something online just because it was like for like a big client um, and then end up like getting more of that type of work that you didn't actually like doing in the first place. Um, so I mean like percentage-wise, I would say uh, I probably post maybe 30% of what I do, um, 
And then the rest of it just kind of gets like tucked away somewhere. <laughs> Once in a while, there's something that I'll put on my website, uh, but that I won't necessarily share online or whatever. Uh, I don't know. It, it'll, it'll just depend. Um, the question was how much I draw from life versus photos or just combining those things. Um, and uh, I don't draw from life at all, pretty much ever. I tend to either use my imagination or photo reference. That's not to say that uh, I don't gain something from like looking at things in real life. I, I think that, uh, I, I mean, I spend a lot of my time if I'm just like zoning out looking at something, like thinking about how I would draw that thing. But uh, in terms of like like time-wise and like that being practical as like a reference when I'm like working on a job or uh, trying to meet a deadline, I'm not going to like go out and find that thing. Like, I mean, I might have skulls in my apartment, but maybe like they're a little bit damaged or they're not like right the like quite the right skull that I want to draw for this job you know or for this um gallery piece uh and so I, I'll tend to use photo reference or um I mean I, I do use a lot of photos that I take um when I'm out exploring I'll use those as reference for pieces sometimes um and that's really helpful I don't necessarily go out with the intention of taking reference photos um but like I mean, I'll be like drawing a seagull and I'll be like, seagull and I'll be like okay well I have like 70 zillion photos of seagulls so I'll just look at some of those um, and then also in terms of using reference, uh, I never ever directly reference one photo. Uh, what I'll usually do is uh, like collect like a folder of like 20 different photos and like each one of those will like, you know, like maybe like this part of this seagull's wing or these couple feathers or like something that it look, looks really lovely to me and I'll kind of reference that a little bit um, when I draw it. So it'll be really kind of just like Frankenstein together from all these different references. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was wondering um, how exactly you were inspired to go into that. Sure. Um, question was, uh, in terms of writing my own children's book, um, what inspired me to do that uh, or what I pulled inspiration from for like whether the wording or the ideas. Um, and uh, so my, my first children's book, is, it's actually kind of funny. Um, it was uh, a class assignment that I did like a couple illustrations for and so when I had just graduated like you know that that school work was still on my website and I like right away that summer got a call from an editor um and she wanted to make that into a full picture book um so I mean like I was super lucky in terms of like I wasn't even like it wasn't anything that I was planning on publishing or like trying to shop around to publishers or anything like that um but uh but I mean I was excited enough about it to be happy to illustrate it um, so, I mean, we, we redid everything from scratch, you know, we, we were reworked the manuscript, um, and, uh, and, you know, she was very helpful in terms of, like, editing and stuff like that, because I'm not a writer, I'd never, like, written anything like that before. Um, so, I mean, that's the nice thing about working with a publisher, is that you have an editor to, like, ask questions or to kind of guide you through stuff that you don't know. Um, but, like, uh, as far as, like, the inspiration behind it, um, it was a pretty easy one for me because, uh, again, that book kind of just goes through like the seasons and the months of the year. It just has, it's an ABC book, so it's a very like kind of repetitive thing. Um, it was very easy to kind of like write in that repetitive way uh, and, uh, and just be like, okay, well, if I was a kid, here are some activities that I'd like to do outside. You know, I'd like to build a fort. I'd like to like go camping. Um, I'd like to like build little boats out of sticks, things like that. Um, just kind of like putting myself like in that scenario. Um, as I, uh, continue working, I think, um, uh, some of, 
the books that I have in mind for the future might be a little bit more challenging for me if I do get into anything that's more narrative. Um, because I, I, I guess um, not being experienced in that, you have to check yourself about like over explaining or like over describing. You know, you really want to let the pictures speak for themselves in some, some ways. Uh, so I think that'll be my challenge moving forward. Um, the, the next thing, uh, children's book wise on the horizon for me, um, is that I really want to make a book about trash animals. Um, and trash animals are like raccoons and seagulls and like opossums and rats and like, you know, things that like people are kind of mean to, um, (laughs) and that like to eat trash. (laughs) And, uh, I, I've always really been drawn to those types of animals and, uh, I, I tweeted about it um, like a couple months ago and like immediately like the next morning woke up to a note from um, my editor who I've worked with before saying like I would love to publish a trash animals book and I was like (laughs) and I was like marry me Um, and so so that's probably happening at some point we don't have any super concrete plans because I have a bunch of other books to finish first but uh, yeah so we'll see how that works out. We have time for one more question. Does anyone have a super important question? Sorry. <laughs> Hello. Um, I was just really curious about, um, I, I've seen your pattern work in stores, like, everywhere. Like, I see it in your own bedrooms frequently. Um, uh, I was very curious about that project and, like, how you, how you got involved in textile work. Uh, yeah, um, kind of, I, I feel so bad about this answer all the time because my answer to, uh, and the question was, um, in terms of like my pattern work, my textiles and stuff, uh, how uh, I got involved with that um, because uh, she apparently sees it around at fabric stores and stuff like that, which is awesome because I don't go to fabric stores, so I did not know that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so my, my answer to that, to that type of question about how did I get involved with the thing is always like this really boring, like they emailed me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's called Birch Organic Fabrics, and uh, they're based on the West Coast uh, in California, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was a really great project, um, and I'm continuing to work with them on different collections. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it was really uh, like, like a, a good collaboration because they have their own aesthetic that their brand goes for. It's not like they just publish anything. Um, they tend to do sort of like more specialty, like artist-type collections, um, but uh, but they definitely have their own color palette that they prefer. You know, all of their work looks like birch fabric work in some way. Um, so it wasn't kind of like quite like as much of a do whatever I want thing. It was like a you know she uh, would guide me about like whether the colors were on brand and stuff like that, which which is nice to kind of branch out into uh, working with someone else's vision too. So that was one of those like really great collaborations um, where like you're you're really you have the same goals, you have like the same things that you're interested in. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Tegan White's Artist Lecture. We want to thank everybody that was able to come to town for her two-and-a-half-day workshop this weekend. It was a blast, and of course, um, maybe several times a year we have these get-togethers where people fly in from all over the world to come and learn from different uh, professional artists or just to get together. So we'll make sure to keep you guys posted on upcoming events like that. So, Chris, where can people find us? Well, you can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on, oh, Twitter. <laughs> oh, good old Twitty. <laughs> uh, at Light Gray Art Lab. You can like us on Facebook. 
stay up to date there. You can follow us on Tumblr, <laughs> lightgreyartgallery.tumblr.com. And I have probably some other stuff. You can stream our show on Stitcher Radio or download it directly on the iTunes Music Store. Yes. And, then, and always in person, you can come by and say hi to us. So thanks again for listening. And thanks to Tegan for all of her hard work this weekend. And we'll talk with you soon. Bye.